Good morning, everybody. You know, I know you've got to be a clap in church. Some of you haven't believed that yet. But I've seen you at ball games, and I know you clap. I know you know how to celebrate. So, as we come together on Sunday morning to worship God and love on Him, feel free to celebrate. Feel free to clap those hands. Sing loud. Give it your all. Especially today, because we're talking about the joy of Christmas. The Christmas expression, that excitement, that... Uh, that part of Christmas that sometimes we forget about because we're too busy to actually celebrate. We're going to celebrate, and we forget that we're supposed to celebrate while we're celebrating. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? It's like we're going to get together, and we're going to celebrate, and we sort of forget to celebrate because we got real busy. Check yourself next time that happens. Just see if it's going, okay? Uh, let's re- sort of revert back to last week. We talked about expectations and hope. The prophets, these these old gentlemen in the Bible, these really funny names in the Old Testament, Malachi, Haggai, Zechariah, and all these other eyes, you know, um, Jeremiah, Isaiah, these are prophets who God gave them a message, and they came out and they shared that message with the people about stuff that was going to happen years, way in advance. The sort of predictions, if you want to call them that, but we call them prophecies. So these prophets came and foretold the coming of Jesus Christ, a Messiah. They were a nation with high expectations. They were looking. They were waiting. They were expecting. If you remember the bulletin cover last week, the little boy by the chimney looking up, expecting Santa to come, right? We said that was the nation of Israel. Those were God's people just waiting. Jesus, are you coming? When's the Messiah going to get here? What's he going to look like? We said, you know, it's sort of like taking that chain that we all made in elementary school. You know, you sort of ripping off. Ten more days of Christmas. Rip it off. Nine more days. But here's the deal. It wasn't a countdown. See, it was a specific day. It was sort of the opposite. They were sort of counting up. Their expectations for were a day to come, which they didn't know when it was going to be. So it wasn't one less day. It was like the opposite direction. Could it be today? Could it be tomorrow? And at the end of their day, they'd probably go to their bed kneel down or lay down. They'd say their prayers at night and they'd say, God, it was not today that you chose to come, but we still thank you for this day. Give us rest now. Give us hope. Give us peace. Let us sleep well and awake tomorrow because tomorrow may be the day that you're coming. And they would go to sleep. And the next day they'd wake up in expectation. Lord, is it today? Lord, it's the day today that you are going to come. We wait with hope and the expectation that this could be the day. 400 years passed. In between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, we turned one page. It was 400 years, nothing written there, nothing going on. People still expected the Messiah. When's it going to happen? And it was at that point in history that changed everything. The year of the Lord. Let me hear you say the year of the Lord. Look at the person next to you and say, it was the year of the Lord. Tell them that. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, sometimes we forget how important this day was, the year of the Lord. It's, it's this date, you think about it. It's this date that all of our dates land upon, going forward and backward. Um, a single occurrence, the birth of Jesus Christ, our calendar notates with these abbreviations, A.D., Signifying what? Anno Domini, right? And then, which is the year of the Lord, in B.C., signifying before Christ. 
So Jesus is literally the fulcrum point of dating every incident in the history of the world. It was either A.D. or B.C., and that was the year of the Lord. That's what Latin means for Anno Domini, year of the Lord. And this measuring time began when a Roman monk by the name of Dionysius Exegus wrote that he was living in a time 525 years since the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those were his words. Since the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 731, an English monk by the name of St. Bede also wrote this. He wrote a history in which he used Exodus' method of dating, introducing the phrase, Anno Domini. Now by the end of the century, the term was widespread, used, and that became the standard for dating in the Western world since that time. That day, now be alert to this, that day when Christ was born, that started our, that's how we date everything. That's the starting point of our dating. Everybody understand that? Okay. Now listen very carefully because this shouldn't surprise you. There are groups out there that want to get rid of anything that has the name of Jesus Christ in it. And there's a group out there today, a movement, to change all this and remove any acknowledgement of Jesus as a central figure in history. They want to replace the traditional B.C. with B.C.E. and A.D. with A.D.E. B.C.E. meaning before the common era, and A.D.E. meaning after the common era. While the numeric dates are going to remain the same, both nomenclatures, by using the later term, they are no longer going to specifically acknowledge God in the dating of history. should make you a little bit mad that people just want to wipe out Jesus Christ off that whole thing. Now, by this modern trend, obviously, that would be a radical departure, not only from the Western world, but from American history. Now, I know you didn't come this morning for, like, an American history lecture or lesson, okay? But I want to share something with you. In America, in the early textbooks, okay, now, a lot of our students today, they got the Chromebooks, okay? Well, before the Chromebook, there was a textbook. For the textbook, in the early ones, written by a gentleman of the name Noah Webster. So you're like, oh, Webster's Dictionary. Yes, he was a premier educator, a founding father in the Constitution. He wrote textbooks. He wrote the dictionary. And this is what he said. This was at the beginning of some of his textbooks that he penned as went out to students. This is how his textbook started. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth, the sun, moon, and stars. He created also grass and other plants and various animals for the use of man. And last of all, he created the first man called Adam, endowed him with rational faculties and gave him dominion over the earth and over the beasts of the field and the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the earth. Written by Noah Webster. In the front of our textbooks. That's how America started. That's how American education started, with understanding that God created the heavens and the earth. American history began when God created man, and dating of all our events center around Jesus. And our founding fathers specifically incorporated their acknowledgement of Christ directly in the U.S. Constitution. In Article Number 7, concluding the great document, it says this, Done in convention, by the unanimous consent of the states present, the 17th day of September... In the year of our Lord, on 1,787, is written out. See, many documents in 1787 were written in Congress. 
throughout the different states. And all of them were signed saying this in the year 1787. But it was in the Constitution that we read it was in the year of our Lord. Please hear that personal pronoun. Because other documents also said in the year of the Lord, 1787. But in the Constitution, and a lot of documents signed by presidents following George Washington, they were all signed in the year of our Lord Christ, 1790, 1791. I'm reading this to you because I want you to understand what does this all mean? What, is this, what does this bring up? This all goes back to the date when Jesus Christ was born. It was on that date that everything else has been dated backwards and forwards, whether it's B.C. or A.D. It was the year of our Lord in which Jesus Christ was born, in which we date everything in history. And our founding fathers in America said, this is the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, not the Lord, our Lord. We're personalizing this because we believe Him and we worship Him. And today, what do we have? We've got to get Jesus' name off of this after the common era, before the common era. Really? Why would we change our foundational beliefs on the day in which Jesus Christ was born? Well, I, I want you to understand at the beginning of the sermon how important this date is just educationally. How important this date is historically in just dating our world. Now let me change the thought here because this is important, okay? The second thing I want you to know about this date of Christmas is this is not how it was planned. This is not how it was planned. Does any of you got plans for Christmas? Raise your hand. If you got plans for Christmas, raise your hand. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Look around. Look at all the plans we've made, okay? Now, look at the person next to you and say, it ain't going to happen the way you planned it. Go ahead and tell them right now. It's not going to happen the way you planned it. That wonderful meal you're going to fix, somebody's going to burn something, okay? And that gift you're going to open up, but you thought you know what you're going to get, is not going to be what you got, okay? And you might get a flat tire on the way to somebody's house, and you might have some other problem, and you might get some really horrific news, and you might get some really awesome news. I love it that we all have plans, but expect those plans not to go the way we thought, right? See, because it's sort of the same way back in biblical times, it didn't happen the way they planned it. Everybody thought, okay, again, expectations, this is going to happen, and here it comes, the year of our Lord when Jesus Christ is going to be born. But it didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen. It wasn't planned out the way they thought it was going to be, and it all changed. The birth of our Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, took place in a small town. Now, wait a second. What does that matter? Because he was a king. He was coming Messiah. Everybody saw Jesus come, and this Messiah was going to be one who would reign, who would take care of all of our problems, solve political problems, solve religious problems, solve educational problems, solve relational problems. Who is this Jesus Christ, this Savior, this Messiah? He's coming. Well, he's going to be born in a small town. I mean, small town. I thought we'd like the capital, maybe in a palace. Instead, what is the song that we sing? Oh, little town of what? Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. Now listen, the hopes and fears, expectations, of all the years are met in thee tonight. That little town, Bethlehem, 
No, it, nothing good can come from there, right? But in Micah 5.2, there's scripture, Micah 5.2, it says this, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distance past, will come to you on my behalf. One of those prophets that foretold many years, hundreds of years before it ever happened, said, I know we got this idea of how this Messiah is coming, but guess what? It's going to come in a small town. Everybody else thought, no. Yes. But that's not how he planned it, right? It was a prophecy. And Joseph lived in Nazareth. Now, time out. Mary and Joseph aren't even near Bethlehem. She's nine months pregnant. How can this happen? Here's where I love how God uses the government. Because a lot of times we say the government can't do anything right. Okay? We pick on it, right? But God used the government and people in high places to do his work. Unintentionally, God was at work. Augustus declared a decree. Go back to your hometowns. All of a sudden, Joseph's like, well, got to go. Oh, you're nine months pregnant. This could be quite a trip, quite an adventure, quite a journey, right? Mary and Joseph weren't like Googling great places to have a baby. Okay, they're like saying, okay, okay, we're going to have a Messiah. We've been told it's the Messiah. Let's Google it. Let's do some research in Scripture as to where this baby should be born, and let's make sure we're there in that right spot. No, they're just living their life, living the dream, right? In Nazareth, and all of a sudden, there's a decree made by the government. Oh, we've got to travel now? Oh, boy. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, third book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We've seen the scripture on the screen this morning with Advent reading. We're going to continue in it. Luke chapter 2. It says, At the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse 3 of chapter 2. All returned to their own towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. Yeah, nine months pregnant. But how many we call that obvious, right? Okay. While in Bethlehem, Jesus is born. Again, the Messiah arrives. This isn't how we plan it, though, right? Just as it was prophesied, but not how Mary and Joseph were planning it to be. I mean, expectations for his coming, you know, we had a few ideas, but we didn't have all the details. So assumptions were made as to how it would happen. But we discovered that it, our expectations for a future king and a savior of a nation and a world would not match up with what actually happens. It wasn't in the palace, it wasn't in the capital. There's no preparing the nursery. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hands on this one, but how many of you, especially moms, prepared the nursery when you found out you were pregnant? We've got to have a room. We've got to have a nursery. We've got to paint it. We've got to make sure it looks good. Uh, we're going to set up a crib. We're going to make sure that changing table is all set. Let's stock up on the diapers, on the formula, on the wipes. Let's get all these preparations made. Hey, we've got a Facebook post. Let's come up with a creative way to let people know we're going to have a baby. There's been some pretty incredible ones lately. That's, that's how we would write the story, right? But that's not how it went. Why is that? Because God's ways are not our ways. Or should I say, our ways are not always God's ways. There's a long journey. 
Think about this. Women, you especially think about this, okay? You're nine months pregnant, and you're going to get on the back of a donkey, and you're going to travel for miles and miles. It's going to take days on the back of a donkey. And the road you travel, by the way, is really bumpy and treacherous and all over the place. By the way, there's thieves and robbers along the way that you have the risk of being robbed, abducted, killed. Not a safe journey. And you're going to go into a small town. Oh, by the way, there's no place for you to stay either. Everything's filled up because your husband didn't make reservations ahead of time, right? He didn't call on. Way to go. And they needed a place to stay. This isn't how I thought it would be. I, can you just hear that coming from Mary? This isn't how I thought it would be. This isn't what I planned. I'm going to have a baby, and I'm on the back of a donkey, and it's cold, and it's bumpy, and we're going to this puny little village, and it's going to be crowded and smelly, and now we don't have no place to stay. This isn't what I thought it would be, right? When Jenny and I got married, back on that awesome day in June, 1990-something, <clears throat> two, no, 1990, um, two, <laughs> drew a quick blank, wow, June 27th, I'm going to try to nail that one down, okay, we walked out of that church, my brothers put us in the back of our car, and they said, we'll take you to your vehicle, I hit our vehicle, because I didn't want them to, like, spruce it up, okay, so I hit it over at Fulton County Health Center, and uh, they said, well, we'll take you to your vehicle. Oh, thanks. I love my brothers. Okay? So we're in the back of the car, and we drive, and, and they said, there it is. And they just kept on driving. I said, where are you going? My other brothers were in the vehicle behind me. and didn't know it. And they thought they would. My brother took me for a drive while they spruced up our vehicle. Plan failed. That's not what I planned, okay? Oh, well. They finally dropped us off in our vehicle. We head off, driving down south. We got to our hotel. Okay. For 26 years, I looked forward to this night with my wife. First time. I'm so excited. Yes. We walk in, I go up the register and Rex don't got a room for two. Could not wait. Looks at me and goes, oh let me see, stomp, 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 stomp. I'm sorry, um, but we seem to not have your name in here. The computer went down today. I guess we lost your reservation. We don't have any room. I was like, no room in the inn. I've heard that one before. But this is not what I want to hear on my honeymoon. The first night, no, 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 no. Check again, you know, and he went back, went back to the manager, and I said, it's my honeymoon. And then all of a sudden, I heard a few choice words come from the back room towards each other, and, and they came back, I'm, I'm so sorry. But we've, we can put a couple cots in a, in a room, for, in a big conference room in a couple cots. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, that ain't happening. That's not the way I thought it would be. You know? so, I'm, so when I'm sitting there thinking, Mary's saying, this is not the way it should be. This is not the way I thought it would be. I'm sitting there going, I hear you, sister. Preach it. Okay? I mean, is this how the king of kings enters the world? I mean, you know, we sit there and think, is this how the savior of the world arrives? I mean, this doesn't match up with the expectations. The king of glory is coming to earth. This is not how we write the story. Right? I mean, today, text messages are sent, Facebook, things are being posted there, Instagram, Vine, Snapchat, Jesus, you know, Mary, selfie, ah, have a baby. I don't know. I mean, there have been all kinds of crazy stuff, right? But in this situation, this moment, it's like, that's not how it was planned, right? Not with Jesus, Mary, Joseph, sitting quietly in a stable, a barn, which was actually a cave. Can you imagine that? 
the king of glory in that situation. This isn't how I thought it would be, right? Look at verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. You know, God decided this. You know, after all this happened, God says, ah, now it's time for me to post a message. But check out how I do it. Forget Verizon, forget AT&T, forget smartphones, videos, FaceTime. God sends a direct messenger and it's called an angel. And then a host of angels. And the glory of the Lord burst onto the scene. And at the time, it probably created more fear than anything because the first words out of the angel's mouth was, fear not, right? I'm sure the shepherds who were out in the middle of their fields that night and taking care of their flock, first thing was, fear came upon their face, right? As these angels say, fear not. But imagine a scene. They come to these shepherds. Shepherds, really. Social outcasts, you might as well just say that. They were considered unreliable. Matter of fact, they were not allowed to give testimony in the law of courts. Uh, you're in court duty, you're on court duty. You're, oh, you're a shepherd, you can't go to the court because you just can't testify. You're unreliable. You're a social outcast. Today's terminology would be like this. You're not a first teamer on, on, on the sports team, sorry. Um, you're not all honors. You're not popular and you're not significant. So you are that person that's or off the side. That's who the shepherds are. And I love this because we believe today that if I've got a title, if I've got a ring, if I've got position or popularity, then I'm worthy of receiving good news. I, I can come out and do it, everything. I'm going to be picked. I'm going to be chosen. I have qualifications. I have all these likes and titles. But God didn't choose that kind of person to be the first ones to hear the good news. God says, we're going to celebrate. But I'm going to pick some other people first to be part of that celebration. And he picked the shepherds. I love that because for all of us that sit around sometimes saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not chosen by God, I have to figure out how I can become more popular and more loved. Like we just say, stop it because God loves you just the way you are. He picks you just the way you are. He picked these shepherds who were not loved, who were not chosen, who had no titles. And he said, I choose you to be the first to hear the good news. And the fact that God first shared the greatest news in the history on that day, in which we would set our calendars for the rest of eternity, B.C. and A.D., with a bunch of nobodies in our terms, right? But there were somebodies in his term. It's incredible. You don't have to qualify for God's love. You already are loved. That's amazing. That's amazing. Look at verse 8. That night... There were shepherds in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Oh, they were terribly frightened. Verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news of great joy. Let me hear you say great joy. Great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. This is how you'll recognize him. You'll find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Man, it was more than a birth announcement. It's a change of time. It's a transformation of the soul. It's expectation fulfilled. Hope arrives. And what reaction does this mean? Here's the reaction. Now all of heaven joins in celebration. It just wasn't 
the shepherds, we want you to celebrate all of heaven burst forth. It says a host of angels now come forward and sing along. Look at verse 13 and 14. We'll read this. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heavens, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. There was excitement, was there not? What's the reaction of the shepherds? Joy and excitement. They got fired up. The angels sang. They're now singing. They're like, let's go. There's a genuine urgency here with these shepherds. They didn't hesitate at all. They were excited. They wanted to go see this good news. Let me ask you this. How excited are you about Christmas right now? Can I scale one to ten? One, I'm not excited at all. Ten, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm so excited. Where are you at on that scale? Where are you on that scale? I'm not, I wasn't looking for an answer, but I see hands, so I want an answer. One to ten. You're ten? All right. Totally excited? I want to see you wear more green, okay? If you're really excited, you got to wear more green, like Christmas color. You're from where? What school? What school do you go to? Delta. You should have green. Okay. Well, you said you're a ten. I was expecting like a Christmas shirt or something, but you're there. Okay, a ten? All right. Any other tens in here? Yeah, I've got some people excited. Not enough. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. You need to get a little bit more excited here about Christmas. Why is that? Because, let's back it up, the year of the Lord, the importance of this day, historically, especially for us as Christians, is huge. We should be excited about this day. Two, how many times have things not gone the way we planned? But that's because God's got a more incredible plan. That should bring some excitement. And as we're reading this story about the excitement of the angels, that should be exciting. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you a couple of video clips of excitement on Christmas, okay? When I think of Christmas, there's clips that come to my mind of videos and movies, okay? The first one we just pulled out of the air of some kids. The second one is one of my favorites just because it's exciting. This is the attitude we should have at Christmas, okay? So let's, let's show the clips. Let's see what we got. Go. Go. Go get your, your wrestler. Go get your wrestler. Randy Orton. Go get your wrestler. Be careful on how you open it. Be careful on how you open it. Be careful on how you open it. Don't rip. Just pull the paper. I'm going to cry. Don't you love that reaction to the excitement there? Okay. So I'm sort of thinking, okay, not all of us open presents that way on Christmas morning. But that's the excitement, okay? Now here's the second. This is one of my favorite clips. Again, just to bring a little excitement to Christmas. Yeah. Sure? Yes, I'm sure. Just do your job. Okay. <gasps> wow. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? <laughs> Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa!
Oh my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Sign this for me. Oh, hi. Santa's coming. <laughs> I could watch that all day long. Um, Christmas is fun. It really is. Uh, you look at the, the, the kids, the, the excitement, the innocence, the joy. Uh, Christmas is excitement. That's about the only clean Will Ferrell movie out there, okay? And <clears throat> I love him in that movie. And uh, just his childhood, it's like, <gasps> 10 a.m. It's like, I don't know if you saw my post yesterday, 10 a.m., true north. You know, it's like, yes, okay. You know, look at verse 13. When the angels return to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. There, there's excitement there. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village. Other translations said they ran. Can you imagine these shepherds? Grab them, the, you know, they're, they're, whatever they're wearing with their, their sandals, flip-flops, flipping around and flopping around. And they've got, I don't know if they left their staves at home or back with the sheep or what, but they're, they're running around trying to find which stable, which cave this baby's born in. And they're looking all, they're hurrying around, and they find Mary and Joseph, and there's the baby lying in the manger, verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. There's no time to waste here. Get there now. It wasn't just reaction, it was action. They ran, they searched, they came, they worshiped. There was joy there, and it wasn't just worship. It was a humble worship. You see, in Bethlehem today, if you were to go where they believe the birthplace of Jesus Christ is, they've placed a church over top that spot. And there at that place where they believe Jesus was born is this church, but it's called, it's called the Church of the Nativity. And to get into this church, though, they built the front door small and low. You actually have to almost get on your knees to enter the church, the whole purpose is if you're going to go into where Jesus was born, you must get on your knees, on bended knee, to worship Jesus, just as the shepherds did. And later down in history, as the wise men did. When people came to Jesus, they went on bended knee. And that's where the church is now in Bethlehem. You must worship on bended knee. And they entered to worship. But look what they did after worshiping. They went out glorifying and praising God. It's the same word that the angels used to say they gave glory to Jesus. That word's only used a couple of times in the New Testament. Once by the angels and the other time by the shepherds. They were giving such praise and glory back to God. They celebrated. And that's what Christmas is. It's expectation and hope, but Christmas is also celebration. Christmas is expressing celebration and joy. Our calendars are based on this A.D., B.C., the year of our Lord in which Jesus Christ was born. Historically, this is a special day. Relationally, it's an incredible day to celebrate. When my Savior, your Savior, decided to leave the throne of heaven to come to this earth in a form of a baby and as Pastor Ben said, to later become our sacrifice, our Savior, to save us from our sins. What an incredible thing. That's why we celebrate. Proverbs 17, says this. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. 
Philippians 4.4 4 says this, always be joyful in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, which we challenge you to memorize, starts off with verse 16 saying what? Always be what? Joyful. Always be joyful. See, when you come to church, it's not the music, it's not the pastor that should fire you up. It should be God's Spirit that fires you up. Resonate in your soul with the truth that God's love has been extended to this earth, to this time, God in the flesh, to save us from the fiery pits of hell. That is good news, and that's worth exciting. That should bring joy as you come in here. Not like, oh, I hope we sing a fast song, or I hope we sing this song, or I hope Pastor Rex says this, or I hope whoever says this. We come here to worship. Don't let the emotion, please, don't let the emotion of how you feel on Sunday morning direct your worship and attitude. Allow the truth, God's Spirit, to fill you with the joy of the Lord. When you wake up on Sunday mornings, just think it through. 10 a.m., true north. I know that church. Okay, just think that way, okay? And just pray, God, give me the right attitude, the right spirit as I go to worship you today. It's not about the church or the people there. God, give me the right attitude. Give me your spirit just to, to resonate in my soul today to worship you. And I know today's circumstances are tough. I get it. I get it. It's a page full of prayer requests. People in this church we pray for. I get it when it comes to tough times. I understand. And if you've lost someone or you've lost something in your life, or if you have nothing and you're struggling, you've got a relational issue right now, the truth is today you're reminded that God sent His Son for you. His love came here to you, extended so that you can accept that love, that gift of eternity, of salvation, so that someday, that person you lost, you will rejoice with in heaven again. That thing you lost, you will find. Those broken relationships will be healed. That's why we celebrate Christmas. God's entrance into this world through Jesus Christ gives us a reason to celebrate. Rejoice in His coming. Rejoice in His arrival. For His gift to you is eternal life. Eternal life, joy in His presence, assurance of reunion in heaven. So Sunday morning, wake up. Let me hear you say it. 10 a.m., true north. Let's do it together. Here we go. 10 a.m., true north. And then you can look at the, yes, then you look at the person next to you and you say what? I know that church. I know, yeah. Okay. You say, Rex, you've lost it. Well, good. I'll find it in heaven. Okay, that's all right. Okay. Wake up in the morning. Run to God. Go worship Him. Run to His Word. Then after you've done all this, okay, we leave out of here today. Guess what you do next? Share it. Go share it. That's what the, that's what the shepherds did. They got fired up. They got excited. They ran. They go to worship Him. And then they went out and they shared that with everybody. Let me tell you about who I just worshipped. The combination of the angelic announcement and the sign of a child is in the feeding trough. That inspired these shepherds to tell as many as they could. Let me, let me do you a favor here. I know it can happen. During this time of the year, we can become cynical. We can become isolated. We become resentful during this time of the year. Look what they got, and I didn't get it. Or don't you know what I'm going on right now? I, you, I hate those Christmas songs. Quit, uh, too many Christmas songs, right? 
Are you worried, more worried maybe about the details of what others are getting and what you're not? Are you, you feel like you're just barricading yourself alone because I, I want to isolate myself. I don't want to get around all these people. Be aware of those feelings that come up and do me a favor. Push them back and receive the good news. Humble yourself, worship, rejoice. Think about this. If the cradle of Christ had such an effect upon the shepherds as to make them rise from the stable and the manger to heaven, how much more powerful ought the death and resurrection of Christ be in raising us to God? Take a kid's approach to Christmas. Unabashed enthusiasm, excitement, glee, joyful over simple things. Jesus is the author of Christmas. What a great story, a real story. He wrote it, he created it, it's his story, full of joy. Enjoy it. Christmas is expression. Enjoy it. Would you please stand with me? If you find yourself again thinking, oh, Christmas music, or too much decorations, or you think people have commercialized Christmas too much, just enjoy it. Don't find the negative side of it. Look what Christ has done for us with unabashed enthusiasm and excitement and joy. Let's make sure we enjoy the next couple of weeks as we look forward to that special day which we look back and say, wow, it's the year of the Lord. What a special time. What a special time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you, God, for being a God who loves us so much, cares about us so much. You don't care what position or title or popularity we have. You basically come and say, I'm giving myself to you. I love you so much. I want you in my presence. So I'm sending my son, Jesus Christ, as a little baby, to be worshipped. From here on, world history will be set. Dating will be set, A.D., B.C. There'll be debates, there'll be arguments about how true this is. But we know it's true. We believe that. We place our faith in you. So we celebrate that special day. And just as the shepherds received incredibly great news from the angels, a direct message, boom, here it comes. They were put in awe. And when they heard that news, I think we've forgotten what it means to react to that news. If we would just react the way the shepherds did in the excitement, just run to worship you. And then we just worship you and we fall on our knees and, and, uh, and then we, with smiles on our faces and probably maybe a few tears thinking, for me, you did this for me. Then we run out of there and we tell everybody the good news. Jesus Christ is born today. Our Savior, our Messiah, to save us from our sins, to give us eternal life. What an incredible thing, what great news. Lord, help us to Get excited about worshiping you. As the day approaches, as we count down, we get excited. But Lord, we also know that someday you're coming back. Lord, I pray we're ready. I pray we're just as excited for the day when you will come back and take us to be in your presence. We love you, Lord, and we want to sing this song to you now, Lord. We want to worship you with joy in our hearts.
love expressed. In thy name we pray. Amen.